Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. It is a wonderful thing to be invited into the presence of a holy God and to be invited as his children to come before him with hearts of thanksgiving, to come before him with our petitions, knowing that he will hear us. We want God to keep us and we want him to hear us. We want him to preserve us and to give us thankful hearts. How many of you want God to give you a thankful heart? Amen. The Bible says that in everything we are to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Psalm 95, our call to worship today says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord and let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and <clears throat> make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. And in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills are his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, give, oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if we will hear his voice and harden not our hearts as they did in the days of the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when our fathers tempted God and proved God and saw his work 40 years long, was God grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that err in their heart and have not known God's ways. Unto those, though, he swore in his wrath that they should not enter into his rest. We don't want to be like that. What we want to do is we want to be those who are thankful before the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us, for blessing us in so many ways, Lord, for giving us one another. We thank you, Lord, that most of all, that you gave us the strength and the power of your spirit to overcome the works of the, of the devil. Lord, that you have given us uh, the power that you promised on the day of Pentecost, that as they waited, that we, they would be and we would be and have been endued with power from on high. I pray today, Lord, that we would take that Holy Spirit that you have given us, Lord, and we would water a dry and thirsty world that it may become a garden, Lord, a garden of your blessing and goodness, Lord, as we, uh, as we go forth conquering and to conquer. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, standing for just a little bit as I read for you my <clears throat> text. We're in Psalm 140. I'm going to read the first four verses. My sermon today is called Deliver Me, Keep Me, Hear Me, Give Me a Thankful Heart. My text is Psalm 140 and I'll begin in verse 1. 
Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischief in their heart continually are they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purposed to overthrow my goings. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you would speak to us the message that would be for us. Lord, we know that this was Israel's song that they sang, but may it be our song as well. And may we understand it. May it be a new song for us as we sing these words. In Christ's name we pray all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. Those of you who know me very well know that I am by nature an incurable optimist. Uh, I am perfectly aware that there's a lot of bad going on out there in the world. Uh, but I choose by necessity, I argue, to not really think about a whole lot of that. And uh, when I get to thinking a little bit too much about it, uh, it does not do me well. So to be honest, when I read Psalm 140, I mean, did you guys just hear the text that I read? It's kind of like, this is, this is really going to be great, right? <laughs> Evil men, violent men. Uh, people that want to kill me. And I mean, this is rough, right? I wasn't really thrilled when I read it because I knew it was coming next. And as we're working our way through the entire book of Psalms, I knew I'd have to deal with the subject matter in it. And as much as I loved Psalm 139 and would say it has definitely been among my very favorite of the Psalms, Psalm 140 instantly uh, put a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth and kind of like a snarl of hesitation uh, on my face. And if you want to know what that looks like, it looks like this, like, oh, I was all excited last week. You know, he knows me. He loves me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He, he knows the words before I speak them. He knows my thoughts. He loves me. And he's, you know, I enjoy that kind of a psalm. How many of you like a psalm like that, right? But this week, we get violent men who want to hurt us, who've got poison in their fangs, who are trying to get us in there, trying to trap us. And I only read the first four verses because they don't get much more exciting. They get, they get uh, dark and, you know, you're like, what is going on? In my flesh, I would rather deal with the happy texts of the Bible. I'm not unlike uh, Eleanor Porter's Pollyanna. How many of you are familiar with the story? If you've read it or seen it, and the adaptation made by Disney, which is really a piece of Americana, you know what I'm talking about. Porter's character, Pollyanna, is a cute little... Blonde-haired, braided, pigtailed, you know, little girl. And she's an orphan girl. Her dad was a minister. He was like a home missionary, and he died and left her alone, and she goes and lives in this town. It's an entertaining story of how this one little girl, she overcomes the 
grudging, dutiful, and sometimes hateful Christianity in a whole host of characters, one by word in this backward town of Beldingsville, Vermont. Eventually, not surprisingly, of course, it's a Disney movie, right? She single-handedly defeats the whole town one by one. She, she goes, you know, the, this person and this person, there's even a recluse in the town who never talks to anybody. And of course, she kind of gets to him and next thing you know, he's out, you know, in a parade, you know. But her greatest triumph is how she overcomes the compromised pastor of the local church, Reverend Paul Ford, who has found himself uh, so lost in his calling that he's preaching sermons that somebody else has written for him. And uh, they're focusing constantly only on the reproving and scolding nature of God. And, you know, some of us, are not eternal optimists. Some of us are eternal what? Pessimists and we're worriers and we always see the thing that could happen and might happen and what if it happens and we're anxious and we're worried about it. But in chapter 22 of uh, Porter's book, Pollyanna happens upon this minister while he's out there. He's working up a little bit of fire and brimstone for the next Sunday and he's up there going, you hypocrites, you vipers, you, you know, sons of the devil. And he's out there preaching, you know, and this little girl walks up and she's kind of looking at him like, wow, you know. And she says, do you like being a, a minister, you know? And he kind of, you know, looks her way, says, well, I used to ask my dad that, you know, if he was glad. And the pastor obviously was getting indigestion while reviewing and practicing his next sermon written for him, of course. He smiled a little bit sad and he says, well, what did your dad say? Was he, was he happy being a minister? And she said, oh yeah, he was. He, he was always happy ever since he discovered the happy texts in the Bible, you know? And um, basically, he asks what those are and she begins to explain the Bible's filled and she says with 800, you know, texts of be glad, be happy, all this stuff. Now, there aren't actually 800 texts in the Bible like that, uh, but that's what she says, right? And so as they go through this exchange, you know, he gets convinced that he just needs to be happy and if he's happy, everything's gonna work out. But now the problem is, this is not really God's plan where we can't just focus on the happy text. We can't just go, oh, you know, this week is going to be rejoice and be happy and be glad. It would not reflect the reality that we're living in. And whether or not we or I like to face it, we have just as much to be wary of and to pray for then we have to rejoice about it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't rejoice and be joyful, but in everything, right, there's, there's happy and praiseworthy stuff or things we also need prayerful attention. We can give thanks for this, for it is the will of God, the Bible says. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
The Bible tells us that God is high and lifted up as our Father. He loves us and He gives us the confidence that He is greater in us than the things that are in the world. And why would He say that? Except for there was some pretty great, horrible stuff in the world. He tells us to pray for those that despitefully use us and not to be ignorant of the devil and He's roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Says not to be ignorant of the devil's devices because they come to distract and to destroy the works that we have been given to do. Today, Psalm 140 leads us in a personal prayer for God to deliver us. Everybody say deliver us. To keep us. To hear us. And to give us thankful hearts. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine as lights in the darkness. May the Lord give us thankful hearts as we pray as he answers our prayers. It's really all we can do. You know, we can't stick our head in the sand and pretend that bad things are not going on. We also can't walk around as though the world is not a dangerous place. The world is a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place for you and me and for our children. We don't focus on that a lot here, and I wouldn't recommend that we do all of the time, but we need to be aware of it. And Psalm 140 is something that just dials us straight into that. The inspired heading, though, tells us that this is to the choir master. Now, how many have ever sung a song like this? <laughs> Not, there aren't too many songs like this, Right? There's violence and there's danger and there's difficulty and darkness and they're trying to get us and they're trying to trap us. You know, you're like, like I, I don't want to sing that song. I mean, if someone had a song, I'd, I'd be willing to listen to it. But I, but I don't know that I would really want to sing it. But, but we're being invited here to sing about this, which means God wants us to be thinking about it. I don't know a modern song with a... A tone, but if it did, I think the tone might be a mild or mournful melody because just, there is a sadness. You know, there, there is a constant sadness in the scripture in different places where there is a lot of joy. He's at the Last Supper. He's serving and loving them. But who's there, Jason? You got Judas. Judas is there and he's, he's already planned and plotted against him. He's He's there, he's pretending he's his friend, but what is he? He's there to betray him. Satan has already filled his heart. He's sitting there with Satan filled in his heart, taking communion. That's a whole nother subject. Taking communion with Christ, with Satan in his heart. Jesus didn't kick him out. He sat there and he gave it to him. We may not want to think about things like this, but we must at times, whether we like it or not, we cannot and we should not put our heads in the sand or pretend like Pollyanna that all is well when it's not. The glad game is not always the solution to our troubles. David here, the song's author, is well versed in the, and I used this word the other day, I'll use it again for my wife, the vicissitudes of life, the ups, the downs the trials, the tragedies, the difficult things. This music brought to Israel face to face where many Christians around the world are every single day. 
My family and I are particularly in touch with it. I get text messages every day almost from Pastor Nang or the Chin Hills or the Orphanage and it's a little heavy. They're, they have, you know, dengue fever. They have people blowing up and burning houses. They have violent men who are trying to destroy them and chase them and, and they're running out into the jungle. There are horrible, horrible things going on. So as we come to verse one, the first cry of the prophet's heart is this, deliver me, O Lord, deliver me from the evil man and preserve me from the violent man. May it be our cry today because we are living in an unjust, cruel, evil world filled with violence. They injure and they oppress. They use their power to get more power. They use their wealth to get more wealth while millions starve and suffer exposure to the elements around the world. They don't have a house to live in. They don't have water to drink. They don't have anyone to care about them or know about them or relieve them. And as bad as it is, then a hurricane will come along and take what they have. And as bad as, as poor as it is, just when they finally get a little life, someone burns their house down. Our Christian brothers are hiding in the mountains of Myanmar, scrambling to find something left in the wreckage of their burned out homes that they can feed or cover themselves with or try to rebuild if they can. North Korean Christians languish cold and hungry in prisons with no one to visit them. No one to cry out for deliverance for them. Deliver them, O oh God, when they suffer, when we suffer. Deliver them, O oh God, from evil men. Preserve their lives from the violent. Lord, we plead their cause today. Folks, the Bible says that when our Christian brothers suffer, we suffer with them. And so I'm not saying, oh, let's, you know, we all got dressed up to come to church and we wanted to clap and sing about, you know, how happy we all are. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but Psalm 140 isn't like that. Psalm 140 is reminding us of the violent, cruel, difficult things. Brother Tim Yarbrough called me and uh, invited us um, to go be a part of something he's doing and uh, on the way, he, I called him back and he said, yeah, I'm headed off to, to court. What are, you, what are you doing? Oh, well, there's a, there's a human trafficking situation and I, I have to testify. Folks, human trafficking is violent and disgusting and horrendous and a billion dollar industry fueled mostly by the desire, the sinful lasciviousness desire of Americans who have lots of money. It's disgusting. And you go, well, now let's not talk about that. We're at church today. Well, the psalm is talking about it, folks. So what do you think we're going to do? We're going to talk about it. Why? Because it's where we live. Deliver them, keep them, hear their prayers and give us all thankful hearts. How can we have a thankful heart knowing that? You know, you meet some people and, you know, 
maybe you in the life that you live, you, you find it hard to, why are they so cynical? Why, why aren't they smiling? Why don't they get our little happy song that we're singing? Why? Because they've seen nothing but violence. They've seen nothing but unjustness. They weren't wrong, but they were wronged. They tried to live a happy life, but their husband left them. Or they, they thought they, they were in love, but now they're by themselves and they're raising children alone and, and they don't really have the money to make it. And nobody cares. Folks, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people living like that today. When I was a reporter there, is domestic violence situation after domestic violence situation. They don't even make it in the news. The police pull up and, and you know, he's hitting her and she's hitting him and the kids are off running for their lives. Folks, this is how a lot of the world is living today. It is rough. It is difficult. It is painful. We may come here and we all love each other and we're all nice and we live in a little insulated world, but most of the world lives in an unjust, violent, horrible situation. He comes to verse two. He keeps talking about them. I know we don't want to talk about them, but he keeps talking about them. They imagine mischief in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. These evil and violent men not only inflict pain and suffering and prison on the weak, they are filled with the many imaginations and inventions to amplify their dreadful works. This is what fills their hearts as much as the spirit of love and compassion fills us. They look for a way to take advantage of others. They think it's funny that they steal people's tax returns or that they go into people's homes or that they deceive the elderly out of their life savings. They think it's funny. They don't really care. It fills their hearts as much as the spirit of love fills us. We are for peace. We are the blessed peacemakers that are called the children of God, but they are for war. They are for war. They're out to get you. They're out to take your stuff. You might go, well, why are you making us think about this today, Pastor Mark? I don't like this. This is no fun. Well, Psalm 140 is telling us to think about it. Help us, Lord, teach our hands to war in a way that pleases you. May our law enforcement take down the human trafficking rings that have become a plague upon our nation and the world. The dark and seedy networks of child exploitation must be defeated. Give us weapons to wage against them and love to heal those that have been hurt by them. And as much as they imagine mischief, may we be filled with mercy and moved to action by compassion. Deliver our children. Keep them safe from harm. Hear their prayers in their dark, hopeless captivity. And somehow give us thankful hearts that see you are at work treading down the works of darkness and filling the world with your love. You see, we can live in a world without putting our head in the sand and we can still have thankful hearts. We don't have to just, you know, look, don't look, don't look, honey. Don't look over there. Don't think about that. No, the Bible says we need to be looking over there. We need to be figuring out what we can do. We need to be figuring out how we can get involved, how we can relieve the suffering and the pain and the poverty and the violence and the trauma that is inflicted upon our land by violent and evil men. And you go, oh, 
just hoping for an after church shared meal. Verse 3, they have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. And this next word bothers me more than the rest. It is selah, which means stop and think about it. Think about what, Anna? Think about what you just heard for the last three verses. Who wants to think about that? I don't want to think about that. But it's right in here. Hey, why don't we stop for just a minute and think a little bit more about these violent men, these evil men, about these people that want to destroy your life. They're, they're not only thinking, of, they're not only doing it, they're thinking of new ways to do it. And they're filled with poison and malice and war and they're sharpening their tools to come at you. And we should stop and think about that. These evil, violent, and cruel creatures of humanity not only wage war against the children of light and of light itself, they scheme all day. They sharpen the tools of their torture with enticing words that deceive the nations. They call good evil and evil good, and they do violence in the name of peace, and they take lives in the name of saving them. We live in a world where they kill children. And they call it freedom and beauty and and, and, and whatever they call it. You, you, and, in, and we're just like going, what? What? Next, the psalmist takes a pause and invites us to stop and think about what he has said and sung. So I'm going to just read it again because he wants us to think about it. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man which imagine mischief in their heart continually. They gather together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like serpents and adder's poison is under their lips. Just think about that. That's what they are. That's what's going on. That's what's outside these walls. That's what's driving down the road. That's what's living next door to you. I don't want to think about their venom. I don't want to think about their sting of their lightning fangs. I'd rather fiddle while Rome burns. I would rather say, let them eat cake as they gather with their pitchforks and torches and guillotines. But God calls us to stop and to think about it today, to allow it to seep into us enough for us to cry out, deliver me, keep me, hear me. And give me a thankful heart. How can we be thankful, Titus, while this is going on? Deliver our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Deliver our children who are here at home. Keep them safe from the harm of these serpentine assailants. Hear their prayers in the dark, hopeless captivity and desperation. Somehow, O oh Lord, give us thankful hearts that... See clearly that you are at work treading down the unfruitful works of darkness and reproving them and filling the world with your love and justice. It's the only way that we can give thanks today. We heard in our New Testament reading from Revelation chapter 19, the Bible. I mean, folks, that's actually a gruesome but awesome scene. 
His clothes are dipped in blood. He has, he has a sword and he's killing them. He's cutting them in pieces. They're bleeding everywhere and he's treading them out and their blood is like the wine in the wine press of God. That's a violent, violent scene. And we go, yeah, he's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. Well, what are we getting excited about? We're getting excited about that he's treading down the violent man the evil man, these people that are hurting and doing wretched things to people around the world right now. I talked earlier about how we are gathered together and we are united with Christians who are lifting up the name of the Lord. Let me tell you, as much as there are Christians uh, uniting and praising and worshiping the Lord, there is a darker element of the world who are united in evil, who care nothing for God, who only think of how they can take people and use them up like nothing, they have no value in them, the drug cartels, the prostitution rings, the enslaving of little children for work and for licentious, unthinkable things. Verse four, does it get any happier? Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who has purpose to overthrow my goings. He's not just there to overthrow God. He wants to overthrow you. You go, now Mark, this is, not, this is not nice. We want to go out and make friends in Mount Sterling and we want to see Christ conquer the earth. Well, you know, you are going to go make friends out there, but let me tell you, the devil is at work and he wants to destroy your life. And he is looking for a door. The Bible says we don't leave an open door for him. We don't give place to him. And we watch out for him. You go now, are you getting all spooky? No, I'm not. I'm trying to tell you what the Bible says. Be not ignorant of the devil's devices. Know that he does roam around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we go, well, he may not devour anybody. Well, you know, I don't, I don't really think that means that. It just says may. But, you know, he may not. So we, you know, we're not afraid of that man. You know, our little songs about the devil, no, 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 and all that. Folks, this is a real deal. When you get into what they do, they have purposed in their hearts my downfall. So you know what I should do? I should pray for their downfall. They speak a plot against me, and through prayer, I plot and speak of their downfall. One day their knees will bow, their tongues will confess the lordship of Christ. They will do it willingly, or they will be ground into powder and burnt up like the grass and blown away like the chaff. Lord, keep their hands off of me, off of my children, off of this church, and out of our nation. Verse 5, the proud have hid a snare for me in cords. They have spread out uh, a net by the wayside. They have set gins for me. And then he stops again. How many people want to stop again? I don't want to stop again, Ashley. I don't want to stop and go, oh yeah. Hey, just so you know, they've dug holes and they put little spikes in there so that when you fall down, they go through your body. And they put these things on the ground uh, and they've covered grass on them. So when you step on them, they pull you up in the air and they catch you. 
That's what he's talking about. That's what gins are. These are snares and traps that you catch animals in. And he's going, this is what they do. They're setting traps for you. Some of you go, well, uh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I don't have to worry about all that. Why does the Bible say, hey, the devil is someone you ought to be aware of. Don't be ignorant of what he's doing. The Bible says, yes, that, the, that God has given us the warfare to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. But that doesn't say he doesn't have any fiery darts. He's got fiery darts and he's firing them and he wants to burn your house down. He wants to burn up your marriage. He wants, to, he wants some of your children to go and to live for him and to make your heart ache and cry. How many of your children would it take that get wrapped up in the things of this world that are off, not sitting with you in your pew. How many of them would, would, could you, would you be okay every Sunday? Would it be fine if just one of them wasn't here and they're out living for the devil? It would steal your joy. It would hurt you. You would think about them constantly. Why, why, why are they not here? Why can't they be with us? You're going to, Mark, you're making me think about things I don't want to think about. Folks, this is what Psalm 140, it, not, not all the Psalms are talking about this, but Psalm 140 is. So what are we going to do? We're going to think about it. The proud hit a snare. They have cords. They've spread out a net. They've set these springing traps, these gins for me. Think about it, Selah. They set many traps for me, O oh Lord, and you know it. Open my eyes to things meant for my destruction. You know, the Bible tells us we need to be circumspect. We need to be paying attention, that we need to be wise as serpents. Open my eyes, Lord, so that I may see devices meant for my destruction. I don't want to be the fool walking along, not realizing that there's people that want to get me and they're digging a pit and you better watch out for that pit. People of God, we walk daily through minefields of destruction precariously stepping forward to advance the kingdom. May we come boldly before your throne, but make us supernaturally circumspect as we tread lightly and wisely through a dangerous world. Protect us from the snares set before us on every side, from those things that entangle us in the nets of destruction and distraction. You might go, well, God has saved us, and if we're saved, we're still saved. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you right now, uh, being alive is different than being alive with your legs blown off in a mine. Those are two different life. Yeah, I may not be able to kill you, but you're never going to walk again. Your life's going to be difficult. You know, many things that we do, many things we step in, many ways we precariously wander off the path and we are scarred and our lives are difficult. And you might go, well, what's the big deal? Well, the, the, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Drug addiction, pornography, nonstop entertainment, gaming that disrupts relationships and important duties, materialism that erodes the contentment of our hearts, social media that leads us to compare ourselves one with another. And, and we spend our time endlessly flipping and flipping and flipping and flipping. There are pits, snares and booby traps of all kinds around us. You know, the North Vietnamese were experts in guerrilla warfare against our troops, placing mines everywhere they could. And the purpose of these mines, I think many of them were of the Claymore variety. 
But their whole point was not to kill the soldiers, but to just blow their leg off or blow both their legs off. Because it would take two more to grab onto them and haul them off and thus neutralizing three soldiers with one explosion. You go, now, come on, this is, I don't even like, I don't even like you talking it like this. Folks, I'm telling you right now, if you're walking around in a world and you think there's no possibility that your kid or my kid or you or I can step in the trap, can be in a snare, can find ourselves in a bad place, in a place that we want. Guys, I don't want anything to happen to my kid, but you, 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 get up, you go to Walmart at midnight to do something and walk around like you're just in a world out there where they don't take people. And I'm not saying live in a constant fear. That's not what I'm saying. I try to train my children, do not be a victim. You don't clean your car at two o'clock in the morning uh, at the free uh, vacuum out with your back to the darkness and your music on 12. That was, well, 10, you know, used to be the high. Now it's like, what, 40 or something. We, gotta, we, can't, we can't be foolish. And yeah, we're not, you know, we're not Gnostics who, who can't enjoy, you know, uh, a song that's, you know, not sung by the, you know, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir or, uh, you know, w- we don't stay at home and, and refuse to talk to anyone and become a bunch of weirdos. That's not us. But at the same time, we can't walk around as though our kids can't become addicted to pornography, that can't become uh, a slave to addiction, that cannot find themselves in debt and, and not really, no matter what they make, it really doesn't matter and just crippled by these things, folks, we, we've got to, we can't say, oh, well, we don't want to be like a bunch of weirdos who don't, no, we don't want to be like, we want to be smart. We want to be wise. We want to think about what we're doing. We want to protect ourselves. Folks, I am a, an older guy and I've got, you know, I believe that God is great and he's, and he's done mighty things in me, but you know what, Jason, you know what I try to do? I try to look out. I'm like, yeah. I know, like the devil, he's tricky and he puts these little things in your life and, and you're there. You're like, oh, I see what you're doing. See what you're doing. You, you think you're smarty pants, but you ain't, you ain't going to get me. And so, but some people walk around, they don't even know he's trying to get you. I'm telling you, the devil wants you and he might not be able to take you to hell with him, but he can sure blow your legs off. He can still make your mother miserable. He can still stop you and distract you in 101 ways. Our enemy cannot kill us, but he has learned skillfully how to produce great numbers of casualties from our ranks. Yes, we live the beautiful, faith-filled life. Yes, we think of the good and the lovely, the praiseworthy, the beautiful, the good, but be aware of a war being waged against us. Everybody say, deliver me. Keep me. Hear me. Give me a thankful heart. Verse six, I said unto the Lord, thou art my God, hear the voice of my supplication. So what was David's response to thinking about all these things, Ashley? Thinking about the violent man, the evil man, the trap that's set for him. What does he say? Uh, his response in verse six is, hear me, O God. Because the deal is, is you can't be circumspect enough and you can't be wise enough 
You will have to have supernatural protection. And you know what? I don't think we understand how much of it we have. The Bible says the angel of the Lord goes before us preparing the way. The Bible said he encamps with us. He's around us. If you remember, it, it said that God will give angels charge over Jesus lest he even dash his foot against a stone. Folks, there is a war going on and they're, they're, they're helping us. And I think that we could probably see it more on the lines of, of a cartoon if we could actually see it. You know, the guy who's just not thinking and he's getting ready to step off the ledge and then, you know, the Lord puts something under him and he didn't even realize the he almost fell down 3,000 feet, but he just keeps walking obliviously, you know, the little cartoon. That's kind of like our life. I really do believe. I believe God saves us from ourselves over and over and over again. Stephen, what would, the devil wanted to have you. He wanted to neutralize you. He wanted to keep you from being married and having a child and, and from fulfilling those desires in your heart. That's what he wanted for you. And for a while he had you distracted, did he not? But thank God, don't get distracted again, right? That doesn't mean I'm not trying to say it's all up to you. But what I'm telling you is the Bible tells us we need to be watching. We need to be thanking, th being, uh, thinking about what is going on. I'm not trying to create anxiety in your heart. I'm trying to ask us to pray for watchfulness. So far, the Lord has been so merciful to us as a church with our young people. He has protected them from so many things. I said to the Lord, thou art my God, hear the voice of my supplications, the weapons of our warfare, our prayer and vigilance. Remember righteous Job who prayed for his children constantly. Be wise to protect one another from the many wiles of the devil, but most of all, give the care of all these things to the Lord and bring your supplications to him and he will hear us. Deliver me, O Lord. Keep me, hear me, give me a thankful heart. We come to verse seven. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. As we fight the good fight of faith, we look to him and our weakness to let his strength be made known. We pray for him to teach our hands to war against the enemies of our soul. And we are a people who keep coming to God in humility. Deliver me, O Lord. Keep me, O Lord. Hear me. You know, Israel went out to battle, but I'm sure they did a lot of praying. Could you imagine? Could you imagine going out with a sword in your hand and there's all these other guys with swords in their hands and bow and arrows and spears and chariots and the whole nine yards and you're just like, let's get it on. Like, that's some scary stuff. David understood what it meant. David was out there swinging his sword and fighting and killing in battle after battle after battle. How many times do you think the Lord stayed a spear or a sword or an arrow that was coming for him? you know, and just moved it out of the way. But does that mean David just walked around like it was no big deal? No, I guarantee you he was vigilant and he was, he was a, an excellent warrior. Verse eight, grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked and further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves. Here he goes again. And then he gives them another Selah. Now folks, this, we're only eight verses and there's three Selahs, which means stop and think about it. So what are we doing? We're stopping and we're thinking about what we don't want to think about. Don't be afraid to call on God to bring their efforts to naught and to point out their pride that you pray will precede their downfall. Deliver me, O Lord. 
Keep me, Lord. Hear me. Give me a thankful heart. We come to verse 9, and like I said, this psalm does not fly off with great victory. Again, it keeps going. It keeps plotting. It keeps plowing deep right here in this area. As for the head of those that can pass me about, let mischief of their own lips cover them. He gives us the kind of prayers that maybe even some of us are afraid to pray. But we should pray, Lord, destroy the wicked, those that hate you, bring to naught. Right? We heard in our call to worship, or well, our, our actually reading from the Old Testament, what happened to Haman? Haman's out to destroy Mordecai. What does God do with the gallows? 50 cubits high. Six, I mean, who builds a gallows 65 feet up in the air? Who does that? Guy's got a lot of hate in his heart. I mean, it, all it takes is a rope to hang somebody. But 65 feet, he builds this gallow right, right beside his house. Why? He wants to see Mordecai dead. He hates him. He wants to see him swinging his little feet, swinging and, and, and kicking. Oh, yeah, you thought you were some Mordecai. You thought your God was something. You thought you were some. You ain't nobody. And he hated him with a vitriolic hate. And God says, well, you know that gallows, that 65 foot tall gallows. You know, before that, though, I'm going to have him lead Mordecai through the streets and give it a parade for him. You think that didn't make more, that made, you talk about putting coals of fire on Mordecai's head. That was to him horror, horrifying. Now hang him. And Mordecai is hung on the own gallows he builds to destroy the man of God. God will do this. But I'll tell you what, there's a part of that story. You remember that part of the story? Haman covers himself in sackcloth and ashes and he prays. And they're like, what's wrong with you? He's saying, we're all going to die is what's wrong. The king's decreed that all the Jews are going to die. And I'm a Jew and you're a Jew too. And you should be mourning. Well, I'm the king's wife, you know, I don't know. As for the head of those that can pass me about, let mischief of their own lips cover them. God often uses the very traps evil men set for us for his own glory. This was true of Haman. You know, the internet is a source of great filth and distraction and, 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 and many traps. But at the same time, I can talk to Pastor Nang. I can talk to the orphanage. I can, uh, we can put the Bible online and they can access it from anywhere. They can search it. You see, the enemy goes, oh, look at this great weapon of you know, look at this great snare. God says, I'm going to make it my tool. The cross was the greatest of all these things. They thought they'd found the perfect way to torture and kill and humiliate. They thought they had trapped our Lord. But it is kind of amazing that in a sense, those people saved us. The nails that they drove, the mocking that they did, the, the killing of Jesus, that his death brought our salvation. Isn't that amazing? The trap the enemy thought he had him. And what did he do? He destroyed himself. 
We should pray to see this kind of work from God's hand in our own lives. Deliver me, keep me, hear me, give me a thankful heart. As we come to verse 10, let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. From Revelation chapter 19, we saw it says that the beast that deceived the nations was thrown alive into the pit that burns forevermore. Praying for the demise of our enemies and putting them in the hands of God as the proper pathway to a thankful heart. Personal vengeance is the way to bitterness and spiritual rottenness. We don't know God's plans and we should anxiously be looking for him to do what he has said that he would do. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I shall repay. You see, the only way we can give a thankful heart is give thanks in those things that don't appear to be so great. And say, Lord, deliver me. Keep me. Hear my prayer. And maybe, Lord, give me a thankful heart too. Verse 11, let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. Overthrow the evil, O Lord. Shut the mouths and silence their proud lips. Those that love evil so much should be hunted and devoured by it. Deliver me, keep me, hear me, give me a thankful heart. It's the only way we can give thanks because God is going to, to deal it. The Bible says that every high place is going to be brought low. Every valley will be raised. That every crooked thing will be straightened. You know, when I, when I, we have come to a place and, you know, where, maybe you can't hear this. If you can't hear it, that's okay. We have come to a place where our government will try to destroy your life by any means necessary. You don't have to have done anything wrong. They will look for something. They will hunt for it relentlessly. They will try every way in the world. They, they are wanting to keep themselves in power, and now they're doing it right out in the open. Everybody knows what they're doing, but they're doing it. And you go, well, well that's not fair. I mean, it, honestly, when I see it happening to people, it hurts me. But the deal is, is it can happen to you. People are doing this. This is, this, is, this is a new, not only do we have all these new things, you know, like insane, you know, transsexual, whatever going on. We have this other thing, which is actually a whole lot more disturbing in, in many ways. They can arrest you. They can put you, 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 you can have not committed any crimes. And they will manufacture one. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth, but evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I am praying that these people that have decided to uh, use our very laws to imprison the good and to try to stop the good, and they have used the, the old, quote, justice system for injustice, I pray to see that overturned. I, tra I pray to see that destroy them. I was thankful to hear that affirmative action was overruled in our system. Uh, it's been a tragedy. That's not how you treat the people that you love. We, we, don't, we don't treat them as though they need 
our special help because they are not good enough to do it on their own. That's not what we do. That's not who we are. You don't discriminate against people to stop discrimination. That's not how that works. We should just, you know. But I'm thankful to see that, hey, Christians aren't going to be made to, uh, you know, bake cakes and make websites that go against their conscience. I'm glad they never should have had to do that. May God use the laws of our land that are being used right now to try to imprison and hurt people and anyone that defies them, you know, to, we're going to sue them 800 ways from Sunday and we're going to make their lives miserable and we're going to civil court them and, you know, criminal court them and we're just going to go, 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 go after them. Yeah, that's what they do. They're going to do it. They're going to do it to us. You go, no, no. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's when they come for you. I don't know. I can't remember that quote, but when I saw it happen to them, you know, whatever. But, said, but when they came for me, <laughs> hold, hold, oh, well, they probably deserve it. You know, they, 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 they probably deserve it. I mean, they're probably bad. I mean, you know, they're rich and they, you know, they say stupid stuff from now. They, pro they probably did do something bad, you know. Yeah. But when they come for you, you'll, you'll find out. But I pray God turns this around on them and the evil things they're doing to twist our justice system to a horrible injustice. May God turn it on them. That's what, that's what he's talking about here. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man down to overthrow him. Verse 12, I know the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. As we pray for God to deliver us and keep us and hear us through these things, God will give us thankful hearts. Verse 13, surely the righteous shall give thanks. This is where we get the thankful part. See how it comes into resolution at the end. It's the most positive thing in it. Surely the righteous shall give thanks under thy name and the upright shall dwell in thy presence. In the end, prayers and actions like those here in Psalm 140 lead us all to thankful hearts. And as I was writing, I realized I was writing a verse to a song and my wife will recognize it quickly. My kids probably will too. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, hey, Jonathan, if you could come to the piano. And at his right hand, there are pleasures for evermore. Oh, what fellowship divine when I am his and he is mine for in the presence of of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. You know, as much as we are in the presence of evil men who are trying to destroy us, the Bible tells us that he is with us. He's not with us in a world that's not trying to kill us. He's with us in a world that is trying to kill us. He's not with us in a world where there are no pits and snares. Yep, they're still there, but he's with us. He tells us to be wary, to be watching, to not be ignorant, to not be fools living in a world thinking, oh, this is nothing's going to happen to me. Nothing's going to happen to my kids. We need to make provision, not for the flesh, but provision for protection for our children and for this church. Can you play the key of D? When I walked into his place, I felt his presence. And I knew this was the place where love abounds. 
For we are standing in the presence of Jehovah God Almighty. Let's stand. And we are standing in His presence on holy ground. And we are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now, for we are standing in His presence on holy ground. We're going to sing this again and if you've heard the word of God today and maybe you've been pricked to your heart or maybe you'd like to have prayer as we sing again, just you can come forward or pray in your seat for a little bit. As the psalmist told us to pause three times, we're going to pause a fourth to contemplate what we've heard today from Psalm 140. And we are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Now let us praise Jesus now, for we are standing in His presence on holy ground, and we are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Now let us praise Jesus now, for we are standing in His presence on holy ground. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us. 